Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Let's go back to the same passage that we did this morning. Let's go to Isaiah 58. And you say, Pastor, what what are you going to do? Well, I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to do the fast this year. I've done it so many different ways. Um, I do know this, that my wife and I are going to do it together. Uh, We plan to, in fact, tonight, what I'm going to do is, at the end of the service tonight, we're going to take communion, okay? We're going to take communion together. And the other thing, I'm going to give you some instructions as well. Let me go ahead and do that right now. Next weekend, next Sunday night, in fact, just here at Cornerstone, this is what we're going to do. We are going to, um, I'm going to preach a message called 2024, Here We Come. And next weekend, on Sunday night especially, I'm going to be talking about expectation. What are you expecting? And, man, I'm going to just preach, okay? And I'm liable to be all over this place. I'm, I just feel it coming. I'm going to be all over the place. And, man, we're going to talk about your expectation. And here's what I want to do. Tina Rudell, we need a whiteboard. Do you all have a whiteboard? Okay, I want to have a whiteboard somewhere, not up front, but maybe to the side, either side. And I want us at, in that service, after the service is over, uh, and we may do this in one community, but I do know I feel it here. I want us to come up to the front at the end of the service, and I want us to write down, and this is what the Lord told me this afternoon, okay? Now, I know there's tons of prayer requests, tons, all kinds, but this will specifically be for lost people. If you know people who are not serving Jesus in your family, on your job, wherever, you you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus, or they've walked away, or they're not in church, they're not plugged in, and you want to put them on this board. Now, we don't have to put their last name. Just put their first name, okay? We're going to put it on a whiteboard. And if that whiteboard's not big enough, we'll buy another one, okay? I don't know. But we're going to write down their names at the end of the service, and we're going to believe God to save some folks this year. Like, we're going after them, man. Matt, we're going to release the hound dogs of heaven. I mean, they're going after them. And we're going to believe God that God's going to touch them and that they're going to give their life to Jesus and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an Amen. Can we do that? Can we pull that off? We're going to pull that off, and we're going to pray. So that's next Sunday night. That's what we're going to do, okay? I was going to do it tonight, but I said, no, no, I want to do it next weekend. And I really believe that that could be the night right there, and we're going to pray. Do you all realize there's lost people everywhere? Like, they're all over Smackover. Like, we, could, we need a bus. We get on a bus, and we could all drive around here and find all kinds of lost people and just get out and start sharing Jesus with them. Like, I mean, that's, that's our heart. Alicia and I are at the place where we're like, been there, done it. Like, we, we, you know, I love church folks. I love all of you. But I'm not here to just pacify church people. I want to reach people. I want to reach the lost. I want to go after them. Can I hear an amen? And uh, we got too many spoiled Christians. We, we got we to gotta reach people, man. We, we need to go after people. There is a harvest. The reason I'm here. Is because I believe there's a harvest field in Smackover, Arkansas. I believe there's a need for a spirit-filled, full gospel church in this city. I mean, guys, what could God do here? I'm getting on next week's message. That's okay. What could God do here? I'm serious. 
Like, I, I'm, I'm telling you, what could God do right here in Smackover? I like what Joey Jones said this morning. He said, uh, we could say the sky's the limit, but it's even further than that. I mean, what could God do right here? I mean, he's the God of the universe. And, man, I'm telling you, there is a harvest field here, and I feel it in my bones. I'm telling you, God wants to do something here in Smackover, and that's why we're here, and we're going to seek the Lord, and we're here to help and uh, just bless you guys. Sister Jamie's doing good. I talked with her. She's doing good. She's in Tulsa, and uh, thank God for her. What a precious lady, and I am honored to just be here. I, I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. <laughs> And I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the man and woman of God who, who trusted me and were mom and, uh, spiritual moms and dads, our mom and dad to me, and I'll always be grateful for that. Uh, Miss Jamie, if you're listening by audio podcast, we love you, ma'am, so much. Well, tonight, let's jump into Isaiah. Where were we at this morning? Isaiah 58, is that right? Was it 53? Oh. Verse 3. Okay. Y'all had me confused. Uh, let me finish what I was going to say. Alicia and I, um, it's been a long day, guys. Alicia and I are going to, this is what we're going to do. We are going, I meant to say this a moment ago. We're going to start our fast together, doing communion together. Just the two of us as a couple. We're going to start the fast there. And then what she and I plan to do is have designated times where, you know, you know, if you go to the gym and you have a workout partner, you do better. Yeah. You know, if it's just to yourself, you may go, you may not. Yeah. But if you know somebody is going to be looking for you to be there, you're going to show up. And so there's accountability. So what we're going to do is we're going to set times aside during the day where she and I come together and we pray together. And we're just going to pray. I mean, we're going to pray like just like we would at church. I mean, we're just going to go after God in our home together as a couple. And I told you this this morning. I'm going to repeat it tonight. The first week of this fast, I'm going to pray for our family. We're going to focus on our family. Then the second week of this, we're going to pray for the churches, both churches, one community in Cornerstone. The third week of this, we're going to pray for ministry ministry, that God would open up doors of opportunities. Uh, he would send us people, good people. Like we need good people right here, solid, good people. Uh, we need people. We need God to fill these places that we have voids. We need people serving, people giving, people blessing, people stepping up. We need that desperately. And so we want to pray that God would show us and give us ideas and abilities and that God would send people. Amen. Can we pray about that? And so what, that's what I would have you do is I would really have you focus on that. Uh, I said it this morning. We'll say it again. I would take a piece of paper and I would probably outline or write down some names or some things that you want to pray about, some topics you want to pray about. And then what you'll find is it's like cranking a motor. And if you ever get that motor started and you get in a rhythm, then the Holy Spirit will take over. He's the rhythm. And then you can just start praying, man, and it just comes easy. It's just you're just spitting it out, just whatever comes out, just right out of your spirit, right here in your belly. That's where your, your spirit is just flowing. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow living waters. Man, you just start praying, and God will start speaking through you. And so that's what we plan to do, and that's kind of what this is going to look like. And uh, the other thing I would say is don't judge people. If you see somebody at a restaurant, don't go, huh, yeah, you're not fasting. I see you. No, don't do none of that because everybody's on their own walk. Okay, including me. You may see me in a restaurant. I, mean, I don't know what my routine will be yet. But 
But anyway, we're going to develop that, and the Lord's going to show us that. So you don't know what kind of fast that person's doing. So don't judge them. Does that make sense? Okay. So Isaiah chapter 58, and we're going to start reading in verse 3. Why have we fasted, they said, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. So there is a fasting that doesn't please God. Let me say that again. There is a fasting that doesn't please God. It's wrong attitudes and wrong motives. Can I hear an amen? Verse 4, your fasting ends in quarreling strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Verse 5, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? If that's not a reason to fast, I don't know what is. That is a reason to fast. Lord, we want to see, see yokes broken, don't we? We want to see the oppressed free. Verse 7, it is not to share your food with the hungry. Yeah, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor and wonder with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, praise God. And your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Everybody say, praise God. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and with pointing fingers and malice talk. Wow, that needs to happen in America. And if you spend, spend yourselves in, uh, in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. We'll close with verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden like spring whose waters never fail. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that word. God, tonight we, we get ready to open this, this message tonight that you gave us and we're opening the bread of life and Lord, we just pray that you would bless it, you would anoint it, and you would speak to all of the ears that may be listening tonight, not just in this room, but Lord, online. And Father, we thank you for what you're about to do and the teaching that's going to be brought forth tonight as you empower us and you equip us to do the work. And Father, we praise you for it. And everybody said, amen and amen. So we're going to answer the question tonight, and uh, which is why do we fast and pray? And we're going to talk about some biblical reasons uh, tonight, and then of course, as I always, make sure when you come to church, you bring a Bible, you bring a highlighter, and you bring something to take notes with, okay? And as you do that, God will give you things. You'll jot those things down, and God will give you revelation. Is that right? So, fasting, so it's a lot of teaching here. Fasting is a spiritual practice found both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. This morning I taught you what a biblical fast is, so be sure to go back again and listen to that one. 
Fasting is a spiritual discipline of self-denial where we crucify our flesh in order to strengthen our spirit man. Let me say that again. Fasting is a spiritual discipline of self-denial where we crucify our flesh in order to strengthen our spirit man. Write this down. Fasting does not change God. Fasting changes you. Fasting does not change God. Fasting changes you. How many of you know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? He doesn't change. So we're not fasting to change him. We're fasting to change us. Nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to fast or required to fast. However, there is a denying, according to the Bible, the power and the importance of fasting. There is something about when we deny our flesh and we crucify our flesh. And I told the church this morning, what happens is, is your, your flesh starts to decrease and your spirit starts to increase. And that what John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he must increase. And so that's the point and the whole reason why we fast. Fasting is a scriptural valid weapon for spiritual warfare that is both profitable and it is incredibly powerful. So it is profitable and it is incredibly powerful. In both of these teachings that I have done today, I want to make it clear, very, very clear, that I am not a medical doctor. Now, this morning I explained more about the health benefits of fasting, and, and I told you I was not a doctor. I don't, I don't claim to be a doctor. I'm not trying to be a doctor. I am a pastor trying to teach and equip my people, the people God has given me with, the shepherd, the people God has given me to shepherd. I am the under-shepherd. He is the shepherd. And I want to give you good spiritual tools that will help you. According to the New Testament, my job as a pastor is to equip you. It's to help you do the work of the ministry. And, and in the Bible Belt, we got that backwards. We want to hire a pastor. He does our work. We sit in the shade and drink lemonade. And the pastor's hired to do all the visiting, all the praying, all the preaching, all the singing, clean the toilets, vacuum the carpet, do all the funerals, all the weddings, kiss all the babies. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. My job is to equip you to do that. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Amen. I'm going to amen myself. So I don't, I, I'm, not a do, I'm not a doctor. I'm a pastor. So I don't want anyone who cannot fast to feel guilty or feel like they're a second-class citizen. Now, when I say uh, fast, I'm referring to food, okay? And this morning we talked about that. Now, there are other things that you can do. You can fast social media. You can fast te- television. There's all sorts of things that you can fast. But a biblical fast, as I taught you this morning is closing your mouth. It's the Hebrew word T-S-O-M. It means to close your mouth. So real biblical fasting is to abstain from food. That's what biblical fasting is. Now that doesn't mean we can't do other things. And if you have medical reasons or whatever, then you can do something, okay? Everybody can do something. But let me give you six examples of people who shouldn't fast food or do an extended fast. So here's the people who shouldn't fast. And again, when we say fast, we're talking about food. Number one, pregnant women, short-term or long-term, do not need to fast food. Sarah Green. 
<laughs> but that does not mean Sarah can't fast something. Amen, Sarah? <laughs> Here's the second one. Not to call anybody out or anything. I just looked up and there you were and I thought, she's pregnant. Okay. Here's number two. Breastfeeding mothers. Breastfeeding mothers should not fast food. Number three, people who have um, different health issues, diabetes, you name it, make sure that you consult your doctor, get instructions from your doctor, because it could be very dangerous if you entered a fast um, and you were not instructed by your doctor if he didn't okay it. So, and even in those cases, depending on the type of diabetes or whatever you have or medical issue you have, uh, there are still ways you can enter into even not fasting food, but you want to make sure you're smart about that, okay? So that's, that's um, number three. Number four, if you're an individual uh, that has certain, uh, takes certain medications and medications that require you to take those, that medication uh, on a full stomach, that you don't want to take that medicine on an empty stomach, uh, that would not be good, right? Uh, that'd be foolish uh, to do to fast and pray as it relates to food if you're taking medicine that requires you uh, to have something on your stomach. Number five, people who have highly intensive physical jobs. So if you work a job that requires you to exert a lot of energy during the day, then you may not want to abstain from food entirely. Okay, That doesn't mean you can't fast something, even food. Okay? And I was a little bit, I'll be honest, I was a little bit hesitant to give you these because everybody's going to, well, I do that. You know, I just, I can't really do that. I take medicine. Yeah, well, you take Tylenol, okay? So, you know, I mean, that's not a good reason, all right? So, I mean, everybody's going to make, you know, can make excuses of these. And so, really be honest with yourself and be honest with God, okay? God knows what you can and you can't do, so be honest with Him, okay? Uh Number six, people with eating disorders or have had eating disorders in the past. Uh, it would not be wise for you to fast. Now, if, you, if you're well over that and you've done really well for a period of time and years and you think that struggle is over, then, you know, you can enter into a fast, but I would be very cautious. Now, if you're in one of these categories, that doesn't mean, again, that you can't fast and pray something. Everybody can fast and pray something. doesn't have to be food, although, again, food is a biblical fast. And I believe in some cases, TV or online or, or social media, phone, whatever you're doing, certain drinks perhaps, um, I think for some people it would be harder for them to do that than it would to be uh, to, for them to abstain from food. Okay, there's, there's a certain group of people that could do without food, no problem, but they may not can do without something else. And so that would be the sacrifice that you're making. So if you fit in one of these six categories, you are exempt from fasting food. Fasting and prayer is to take your eyes off of the things of this world and focus your eyes on eternal spiritual things, which would be righteousness and your relationship with the Lord. That's what it is. Fasting is a way to demonstrate to God and to demonstrate to ourselves 
that we are serious about having a relationship with Him. Fasting causes us to gain a renewed experience and perspective with God. That's what happens when we fast. So now let me give you 10 biblical purposes connected, connected to fasting and prayer. Are you all ready tonight? Miss Norma is ready. I said, are you all ready? <laughs> Get me worried. I had one person there. So, okay, number one. Here's the 10 primary reasons why we fast. Now, I'm going to give you scripture tonight, and I want you to write down these references that I'm going to give you for every point that I have. Number one, the reason we fast is for supernatural protection. The reason we fast, number one, is for supernatural protection. When we fast and pray, there is a supernatural part of that, and what you're going to find is uh, when you enter into a fast about day four or a week, somewhere in that time frame, you, you know a jogger, when a jogger jogs, there's a point where they break through. There, there's like a sweet spot where they break through and it, it becomes easier. Do we have any joggers in here? <laughs> no joggers, okay. All right, so uh, this is going to be tough. Okay, now, Pastor Daniel, you do not jog. Uh, you, just, you just don't. Okay, but there is a sweet spot <laughs> where you break through. Well, the same is with fasting in prayer. There is a sweet spot where you're going to kind of break through and the hunger pains and all of that are going to subside, and it's going to be easier from that point on. I'm not going to say it's easy, but easier and then you're going to hit that spot. And what you're going to find is you're going to start hearing from the Lord. And it's supernatural. It's just supernatural. You're going to be amazed at how in tune and how much you feel his presence. Like it is it's unreal. And there's this supernatural protection. And so when I said I'm going to spend a week praying for my family, a lot of it's about protection. God protect my babies. God, protect my grandbabies. God, when they're at school, I pray you'd protect them. When they're at work, you'd protect them. When they're driving, you would protect them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? By the way, when all of our kids got cars, I was instrumental in helping all of our kids get cars. And when they all got cars, none of them knew it. Luke's fixing to learn. I did it to his new car. When he wasn't looking, I went out there. I could have done it with him. Actually, with Sarah, I think I did it with both of them in the car. I put my hands on that car, and I said, Lord, I ask for divine protection over this car. And I pray if this car goes anywhere that it shouldn't go, the engine would blow up. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it. Lord, if there is a friend that doesn't need to be in this car, this car will shut down. I prayed it. Yeah. If this boy is doing anything he shouldn't, he's a good boy. Actually, a good young man. I keep calling you a boy, but you're 20-something years old. But God, protect this car. Everywhere this car goes, I'm asking for supernatural divine protection over this automobile. And that's what I'm going to pray for. Over our home, over our church, over you. Over this, over this 15 acres right here at Cornerstone. God, protect it. No more water leaks. No more cold weather busting water pipes in the attic. Lord, we pray for protection over this place. Lord, no, no tornadoes, no storms. God, protection over our homes and our families. Do y'all buying into this? 
How many of you need supernatural protection? I need it. You need it. So that's what we're doing. We're saying, God, this is important to me. So come March and April and May, when the, when the weather forecaster starts saying, there's tornadoes in the area, you can just sit back with a toothpick and drink some tea because you're not worried about it. You're not worried about it. Why? Because you've done the fasting and praying, and you know God's going to take care of you. Okay? Lord, you're my storm shelter. You're my shelter. He that dwelleth in the secret place is what the Bible says. Amen? So I'm going to go to the secret place. I'm going to ask for divine protection, Ricky. That's what I'm doing. Everybody say supernatural protection. This is found in Ezra chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. Ezra chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. I don't know about y'all, but I just want to hit a little rabbit trail. I wonder how many times God protected us and we didn't even know it. Amen. How many times has God protected us and we didn't even know? How many times were we supposed to be in a car wreck and we weren't? Where the supernatural protection of God started taking place. Fasting and prayer reveals an urgency and it strengthens our pleading in the courtroom of God. It shows God a level of commitment and urgency that you care about whatever it is you're praying for. God, I care. This is not God's still God. He's going to do what God does. But what this is doing is you're saying to God, God, I, this food does not mean that you mean more to me than this food or whatever it is I'm fasting. And God, I, I need you in my life. And God, I am searching for you. I am seeking for you. I am trusting you. And God, I will do whatever it takes. Amen. Here's number two. Why do we fast? Fasting and praying for important decisions. Important decisions. Everybody say important decisions. Does anybody besides me make important decisions? Like, I, that's all I do, man. It's like good grief. It's like one after the other. It's like, well, I don't want to decide anything. Uh, my family gets mad at me like when it's time to go on vacation because they're all waiting for me to decide Like, how are we going? How are we going to get there? I'm like, I don't want to decide anything. It's all I do every day. Y'all decide. I'm tired of deciding things. Well, when we make decisions, I love this, and I'm not bragging on me, but I just want y'all to know the kind of guy I am. My my wife will tell you this. My staff will tell you this. Pastor Jay does not do anything unless I know the Lord has told me to do it. I don't care if everybody's screaming and complaining and don't like it. I'm not moving until God says to move. And I may not do everything else well, but I do that well. I ask God to help me make decisions. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, to the littlest of things. God, we need, we need a new roof. We need an air conditioning. We need this. We, whatever it is, it could be little things. God, I need that door fixed. God, how do we do it? Like, send somebody to fix the door. Like, whatever it is, like, God, help us. We need your help making decisions because Let's be honest. Decisions is what gets us in a lot of mess, a messes. Am I right? It's like poor decision making. So God help me. And so when you fast and pray, it's setting, setting that precedence for the whole year. God, I need your help making decisions. Acts 13, write this down, Acts 13, 2 and 3. Acts 13, 2 and 3. You do that in ministry. I mean, even here at Cornerstone. I mean, that's really what we're doing. Like, 
you know, and I'm, I'm I, man, I'm so thankful for you guys. Like, nobody's really asked a lot of questions, and that's great because you don't need to because I don't know the answer. Like, what are we doing here? I don't know. But I'm seeking the Lord, and you're seeking the Lord. And so we don't need to make a big hoopla out of it and try to brand it and do all we, There's no need for all that. We're just seeking God. And when God says it's time, we'll do it. But until then, we're going to seek the Lord, and we're going to ask Him to give us instructions for the decision. Amen. In fact, I would always recommend fasting and prayer, especially for major decisions. So any major decision that you make in your life, um, moving, churches, whatever, whatever you're doing, if it's a major life decision, fast and pray. Okay? Here's another one. A minimum of three days. A minimum of three days. Why three days, Pastor? Because you need to, you need to cycle through your emotions. Because your emotions will steer you. And so you need about three days there to go through every emotion and every up and down so you can make a good decision. Amen. Amen. So when you, you fast and pray, and again, I would recommend at least three days. I would actually recommend longer than that. But you want to make a good, solid decision. I see people all the time like, I'm just, I'm like, good grief, you know. And it's like, hey, we're moving. Where y'all moving? We're moving to Alaska. Did you pray about it? No. Why, why didn't you pray about it? Well, you know, we just really feel like that's where we're supposed to be. And they never pray. They never seek God. And then they get there, and then they're calling me. Would you please pray for us? We hate it here. It's dark all the time. I mean, I'm serious. I'm just, I don't know anybody, honestly, that moved to Alaska. But I'm just saying, people do that all the time. Oh, this job's going to pay more. Let's move there. What about a church? Do you have a church there? Oh, we'll find one. Six months later, y'all found one? No, we had, we're just watching online. And I'm like, your kids need you in the house of God. Your kids need you plugged in. Like, to me, that would be like high, high priority versus my paycheck. Y'all see, like, it doesn't balance out. And so I want to have my family somewhere plugged in because the devil, he's working 24-7. I can't afford to make a poor decision. Amen. Fasting doesn't change, doesn't change if God hears our prayers, but it changes our praying. It changes our praying. God always hears our prayers, but it changes your prayer life, and it makes you more aware of God's voice because other things are drowned out when you fast and pray because your spirit's coming alive, and you're turning down the volume knob of the world, and you're turning up the volume knob of your spirit. That's what happens when you fast and pray. Number three, this one surprised me. Like, I've, I, I mean, I have taught on fasting and prayer. I've done this a long time. This was right here under my nose, and the Lord showed it to me right here in the Bible. And here it is, fasting to mourn. Fasting to mourn, to grieve. When you lose a loved one, when someone you know close to you, a family member or a friend, passes away, you should fast and pray. The reference for that is 1 Samuel 31, verses 11 through 13. Saul and his son were killed. 
They presented their bones, and seven days were set aside to properly mourn. Seven days were set aside to properly mourn. To properly grieve, we must fast and pray. To properly grieve, we must fast and pray. Why, Why, Pastor? Because what happens is grieving has about seven steps to it, if not more. And so when you grieve, you're going to go through a cycle of emotions. You're going to hit highs, lows, ups, downs. You're going to be happy one minute, sad the next minute. You're going to be laughing one minute, crying the next minute. I mean, you're going to be angry one minute. You're going to be happy the next minute. You're going to be cycling through emotions when you grieve. And so what happens is a lot of times, though, people get stuck in a perpetual state of grieving. They never stop grieving, like for years and years and years. So the idea here is to get it out of your system. You, you know, people, I don't want to cry. You need to cry. You need to cry. Let it out, buddy. I mean, let it out. Get on the floor and beat the floor. Whatever you got to do, get that junk out of you. Okay, and that's not junk. It's just emotions. Emotions are good. They do have a reason. But you need to get that stuff out of you. And the best way to do that is to take it to God. I would rather you take that out on God than take it out on somebody else because that's what's going to happen. If you push that stuff down, it's coming out somewhere. And unfortunately, it doesn't come out healthy. It'll come out in unhealthy ways if you don't give it to God. So when you lose someone, hit about a few days after everything's over, the arrangements have been made, the burial's done, and spend some time fasting and praying and seeking God. My mentor, one of my mentors, is a a man by the name of Pastor Tommy. He's up in his 80s. He is a pastor's pastor, and he, he, he is on staff at Gateway Church in Dallas. He lost his wife, and when he lost his wife of cancer, he kind of taught me this point. But when he lost his wife, he said, I walked in my house, and he said, my kids all told me, Dad, let us stay with you. Dad, come over to our house. Dad, do this. Dad, do that. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, I won't leave. looked at all of his kids, and he said, y'all look at me. I'm okay, but I'm fixing to go spend some time with God. And he said, I'm okay. You can check on me if you want to. But he said, I'm going back to my house. Well, Dad, you don't need to go in that empty house by yourself and all those memories. He said, no, that's my house. And he said he walked in the front door, and he said when he did, it hit him like a freight train. He said he fell in the floor. He said, I cried and cried and cried and cried. And he said, I did that for a while. And he said one day God lifted that. Say that again. The ch- first sentence, yeah, can somebody tell her? I can tell her. God, I am giving this morning to you. And God, I am not going to let this come out of me in unhealthy ways. Can I hear an amen? Number four, are you all ready? Fasting can be used as a corporate call. That's what we're doing today and tonight, or what we did today and what we're doing tonight. It is a pattern in the Bible for spiritual leaders and authorities to call the church to a corporate fast. You can find this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Verses 3 and 4. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. Now, we can't expect everyone to enter into the same fast. And as a leader, I can't put a demand on you on how to fast. Okay? I'm, that's not my job. I can call us to a fast, but I cannot demand that from you, and I cannot tell you how to do that. 
So that's my job is just to call a fast, and then I believe it's God's job to tell you how to fast. Is that okay? I can suggest things, but I cannot demand things. Everybody says, that's pretty good teaching, Pastor. <laughs> Nobody said it. Okay, all right, that's great. Uh, number five, are you all ready? Fasting is an act of repentance. Fasting is an act of repentance. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. Fasting is a way we repent to God. God, I am sorry. God, I messed up. God, I'm asking for your forgiveness. And it's not penance. It's nothing like that. God hears you when you ask for forgiveness. But when you're like serious and you're like, God, I've got something going on and I keep repenting like habitual sin, I would go and fast and pray. And I would repent to God. It it can be lunch. It can be supper, whatever. And I would take that time to pray, and I would say, God, I am sorry. I messed up. Does that make sense? Here's number six. Fasting to humble your heart before God. When you fast, it gets rid of pride. When you fast, it gets rid of pride. 1 Kings 21, verses 27 through 29. This is talking about, do you all remember King Ahab and his wife Jezebel? He was a wicked king and his wife was even wickeder than he was. But God still heard him and the Bible says judgment was delayed, but the judgment was passed on to his kids. But God heard his cry when he fasted and he prayed. Number seven, are you all ready for number seven? Fasting for the work of God. Fasting for the work of God. In other words, God, I love your house. I love to do your work. Has anybody ever read Nehemiah in the Bible? Nehemiah? Okay, nobody? Great. Man, a lot of, I don't know. Okay. Nehemiah? Nehemiah? Okay. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books of the Old Testament. Because it's about a man who said, God, I care about what you care about. And how many of you know God cares about this church? That's why I'm here. I'm not here because I was looking for something to do. I've got plenty to do. I'm here because God told me to be here, and I'm here because I care about the work of this house. I care about Cornerstone Church. I care about this city of Smackover. I care about Union County. So, God, I'm like a Nehemiah. God, I'm on the wall, and I'm rebuilding your wall. And, God, I'll do whatever it takes. Nehemiah 1, verses 3 and 4. Nehemiah 1, verses 3 and 4. Have you all ever heard of a church split? Have you ever experienced one? Raise, raise your hands if you ever experienced a church split. I've experienced two church splits in my life, and, and probably more, really more, but two major church splits. I've seen, I've seen that. Uh, I've seen some crazy stuff happen in church. And when the enemy comes into a church, he divides it. And what it is, what's happening is, is when you have two visions, you have division. And so you've got a group of people, they want to do it this way, and God, yet yeah, God is a leader. God's telling you go this way. Well, they don't want to go this way. They want to go that way. And so you, you know, you're you're trying to do it in love, but they don't like you. 
because you're not doing this way. They want to go this way, and you want to go this way. And what happens is it'll split a church. It'll split a church right down the middle. I'm telling you, I've, I mean, I've, I've lost people in my life. You know, I lost my dad. That was in a tragic wreck. I mean, all that. But I'm telling you, there's no hurt like a church hurt. I'm telling you, man, it hurts. It hurts to the core when, when you have a church split. And, and the way you prevent that is fasting and prayer. The way you prevent, why? Because you get humble. And you, your pride will keep, quit rising up and you'll quit saying, I want it my way. And you'll say, God, I'll do it your way. Amen. It humbles you. And you start hearing from heaven instead of hearing all the little voices. Yay, yay, and that's what I call it. Sister Nene. Yeah. And so what it does is it turns down her voice and God's voice starts coming up. Amen. So, Lord, I love your work. I don't want to see a church split. I don't want to see tragedy. And what happens is when you see scandals in church, and we see it all the time, scandals in leadership, all of this stuff, churches that were once great now are an embarrassment. Instead of joining the haters or the critics, a more godly approach would be to fast and pray. Instead of chiming in with all the naysayers and the critics and I told you so's and all of that, we should fa- if we want to be godly, we should fast and pray. Like that's the way you have, that is the correct integrity way to do it. I'm not going to talk about the pastor. I'm not going to talk about his wife. I'm not going to talk about the, what happened or the moral failure or whatever took place. It's tragic. I hate it happened. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was wrong. All that stuff. But God, I'm fasting and I'm praying because God, I love the work of your house. I love your church. I know God planted us in that church. And God, that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to stay at my post until God tells me to move. Amen. God, I love your work. So to the love of the work of God, you pray for his reconstruction. God, reconstruct this wall like a Nehemiah. Here's number eight. Fasting to minister to the needs of others. Isaiah 58, verse 3 through 8, which was our text tonight. Fasting is not always about what you need. Sometimes it's about what other people need. And let me ask you. Are you so self-absorbed that you cannot pray for somebody else that's hurting? When you're really serious about people, you won't fast for yourself. You will fast for other people. And you'll say, God, my buddy is hurting. Their marriage is hurting. Their children are hurting. Maybe somebody's in an accident. Something's happening in their life. Maybe you got a, uh, they got a child that, that's not living for the Lord. Fast and pray. Fast and pray for somebody else. Don't make it all about you. God, I love people. I love your people enough that I'll fast and pray for them. Number nine, fasting to overcome temptation. Fasting to overcome temptation. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. If you're battling a temptation that is drawing you away from the priorities of Scripture and the church, you should fast and pray. So if you're battling something in your life, if you're battling habitual sin, if you're battling addiction, whatever you're battling, if you want to break that thing, fast and pray. God, I am serious about this. God, I'm I'm seeking you. God, I don't want this in my life. 
and you fast and you pray, and God will help you unpack that. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear a better amen? It is through the focus of fasting and prayer that we show God our appetite for God is greater than our appetite for the world. God, my appetite for you is greater than the appetite of this world. Here's number 10. Oh, man, we got to go all the way to midnight to bring in the new year. I've got to come up with some more points. It's only 730. Okay. All right, so let's change this from 10 primary things to 100. (laughs) All right. I'm kidding. All right. Here's number. Are y'all getting anything out of this tonight? Here's number 10. Fasting is worship. Fasting is worship. Luke chapter 2. Verses 36 and 37. Fasting is worship. Fasting for no other reason, but Lord, I'm devoted to you, and I love you, and I want to worship you through the sacrificial gift of whatever it is I'm giving up. God, I want you more than I want that. I want you more than I want that. God will never compete for your attention. God doesn't compete for your attention. He's not going to. 1 Kings 19, verse 12, talks about God spoke to the prophet Elijah with a still, small voice. Is that what Scripture says? But the world shouts with a loud, godless voice. We have to turn down the volume knob of this world so God's voice will be louder. God doesn't shout. Fasting is a way you turn down the knob of a godless world. Now, can you hear God all the time? Absolutely. God is always available. He's there for you. He's always available. He's always speaking. But the problem is we can't hear God because the voices of a godless world are so loud in our ears that we can't properly hear Him. He is always speaking, but I can't hear Him because I'm over here on Facebook trying to get fed on Facebook. To get what I need spiritually over here, listening to brother so-and-so in 10 buck two. Listening to his podcast because I like the way he preaches. Well, I hope he's there for you in your time of need. Come on. And so what we're doing is, is we're saying, God, I don't care about brother so-and-so that preaches so good or whatever worship team you like to listen to. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you louder than I hear any, but I can't hear you because I got all this junk going on. You know, people just like noise. It's like noise going on all the time. It's like a beehive or something. It's just like, would you please stop? My dad used to watch TV and mute. Like he did. He really did. He watched golf and mute. I mean, he liked to watch golf. He liked to play golf. He'd watch it. Everything he watched the Weather Channel in mute. One day I came in there, I was like, Dad, why do you have the TV on mute? And he said, because it annoys me. And the older I get, the more I understand why. I don't want to hear all that stuff, all that noise of the world. And really, my dad, he was a, he was a man, that guy fasted and prayed. In fact, my dad fasted and prayed before our church was ever birthed. He, did, he and my mom, she's not here tonight because she had to take care of her mom, who's 93, and, or she would be here. My mom and dad 
fasted and prayed for a solid year before they ever started our church. A year, on and off for a solid year before they ever pulled the plug to start a church. They trusted God. They believed God, and they knew God told them to do it. Had they not done that, I don't know that I'd be standing here tonight. I don't think I would be in ministry had my mom and dad not done that. My dad was pastoring a fairly large church um, for years. Well, I would have never stepped up in that church. I would have never had. It took us going to a little storefront, starting a church like Cornerstone started. I cut my teeth here, even here at Cornerstone. Had I not had that, I don't think I'd be here today. How, only God knew that. My dad had other opportunities. You talk about decisions. My dad was offered a decision in business that would have changed our lives financially forever. Forever. I mean, huge. So much so that when he got the interview, they picked him up in a helicopter. That man, my dad knew him, that man wanted my dad so bad to work for him. He offered him, I mean, good grief, we wouldn't be living here. We'd had to move off. I would have never met you. I would have never met any of you if my dad would have made that decision. Well, how did he know? Because the mo- it wasn't about the money. The money was there, man. I mean, life-changing money for our family. And my dad went to the, the secret place, Miss Norma, and he come out of the secret place, and he said, that's not what God wants to do. God is wanting us to start a church, and we started a church with about five people. Five people. And last Easter, we had over 500. And we started with five people. Only God knows that. That's why you fast and pray. Because things will start happening. You'll be like, how did that happen? How did that happen? Well, God knows what you need before you need it. And I'm telling you, everything that happens, God is strategically doing things. Even here, like tonight, I don't know why we're, why we're here, why we're doing this like this. I don't know. I just know that later on, a year from now, two years from now, we're going to look back and go, oh, oh, that made sense. Because we're trusting God, we're fasting, and we're praying. Man, there's something that happens when we turn down the volume knob of this world. God will never yell at you. Revelation says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Because we have, how many of you know, we have spiritual ears. God, speak to us. Miss Marianne, if you'd come play something. And we're going to close. Y'all were thinking, man, he was serious about that midnight. Everybody say spiritual ears. Everybody say, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. How do I know what the Spirit is saying? How do I hear the Spirit? I fast and I pray and I seek God. Let me ask you tonight in this room and those listening by podcast, have you ever repented of sin? Do you have peace with God? Everybody stand in this room. Father, we love you. We thank you for this teaching tonight. God, I'm so excited, and I mean that. Like, I don't know that I've ever been so excited to fast and pray. God, as we get ready for 2024, it's election year, Lord. And our trust is not in the next president or the economy. Our trust is in you. 
And our faith is in you. Our faith is not in what the economy's doing. Our faith is in you. And God, we trust you and we believe you. And God, we're going to intercede and we're going to go after you, God, whatever it takes. God, this year for believers is going to be a good year. I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I'm not here to predict that, but I'm predicting this year for Christians, for believers, it's going to be a good year. That no matter what happens, we're okay. Guys, we're going to be all right. And God is divinely protecting us no matter what the craziness of this world, whatever happens, God's going to protect us. Guys, we're seeing things right now that are pointing toward the tribulation. But before the tribulation can happen, the church has got to be raptured because as long as the church is here, we're pushing back evil. Well, we got to be out of here before the wicked evil stuff can happen. And so I believe we're close. When I say close, I mean really close to the coming of Jesus Christ. And guys, I want to be ready. I don't know when he's going to. I'm not trying to predict when Jesus is coming, but I mean, I think it could be any time. 2024 is very realistic. Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready when you come. I want to be at the married supper of the Lamb. I want to be celebrating while everybody down here is going through hell. I'm going to be in heaven celebrating. Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you tonight for your blood. I thank you that it washes us and it covers us. And that we can know you tonight and we can have peace with you. Lord, I thank you right now for what you're doing. What you're doing in this place. God, if there's somebody in this room or somebody listening that doesn't know you, that tonight they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. A saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. How does it happen? Number one, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, I repent of sin. God, I'm sorry for my sin. And number three, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want everybody to pray that prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. God, tonight I repent of sin. I ask you to forgive me. And then, God, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that you are my Lord and I'm going to live for you. And with these words, I am saved. Could it be, church, tonight, somebody just prayed that prayer on on our audio podcast and received Jesus Christ as Lord. Would you give them a hand clap right now? Come on, let's do it right now. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.